The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, your daily NFL podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Tuesday, May the 4th, most likely if you're listening to this. So I would like to say to Ryan Wilson and John Breach, may the 4th be with you. Man, I almost forgot. I'm glad you brought that up. That's right. I definitely thought Breach would be the Indiana Jones theme. Can we get sued for that? No. Okay, good. By the breach, way, breach humming. By the way, breach humming the Star Wars theme song to open this podcast is the last straw in the camel. <laughs> That's right, the last straw that stabbed the camel in the eye, according to breach. By the way, when breach was humming that thing, not moving his lips, it made me think there's a hundred percent chance in his past he was definitely in the ventriloquist business like uh, for yeah. years. Um, by the way, it's just so people know before we're doing the show, breach. It's cutthroat though. I had to weave and come do and work <laughs> with you guys. We were talking about. Um, an Aaron Rodgers thing with Jake Kumaro, which we'll get into later. And Breach said, yeah, I guess it was just the last straw in the camel's back. Because Breach thinks that the straw that broke the camel's back is actually someone jabbing plastic straws into the camel's hump to get the water out. It's the same thing. <laughs> Pretty much. You guys, knew, you guys knew what I meant. That's the important part. It's, it's also an indication that this is what happens when you try to pass off a robot as a human. Like, he keeps slipping on the little things. Oh, no. Jerry Jones, <laughs> you need to... <laughs> Upgrade the little recall here, Jerry. You need to program breach a little bit better. <laughs> uh, in the feed, we have reactions from all three days of the draft, plus draft superlatives. Go check those out. Talk to Ryan and Breach after the first uh, day, and then we talk to Josh Edwards and Chris Trapasso on the next two days, Friday and Saturday. Great content. Very interesting draft. Coming up on this episode, we'll be grading all of the AFC drafts. We have Pete Prisco's grades. We'll discuss them. Focus in on one team per division. If you feel like we shortchange your team, send us an email. Write a review, five-star review, and say, hey, what about this squad? I want to hear more about this squad. Maybe we could do a deep dive into it in the offseason, or, of course, we'll have deep dives on all the teams later on. And then tomorrow, NFC draft grades. Make sure and subscribe to John Breach's Pick 6 podcast newsletter. Go to cbssports.com slash newsletters. That sounds right. Okay, and subscribe. Uh, daily content from John Breach, what, five, four days a week, I guess? Four days a week, Cody on Wednesdays, Cody Benjamin. So you get him one day a week. Me, You need a break from me. I'll be honest. You guys get a break from me. Everyone needs a break from me for at least a little bit. So me, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Cody on Wednesdays. And obviously, you know, again, we're not going to spend 20 minutes on every single team. If we did, we'd be stuck here forever. And it feels like a full podcast for each division is probably a bit excessive. We'll, we'll cover, we'll touch on every single team and then highlight one in particular that stood out to us. And we start in the AFC East and we start with the Buffalo Bills, who I thought had a, I would describe it as a ground rule double or a seeing eye single uh, of a draft. This is a team that was in the AFC championship game and they're really good and they have a ton of talent and they just added to it and clearly felt as if their defensive line being a bit undersized as it was last year, people were able to run on them. 
and they need, they wanted to get some more edge pressure and they, they focused on that. They got Gregory Rousseau with the 30th pick and Carlos Basham Jr. out of Wake Forest, two ACC pass rushers, Rousseau from uh, Miami with the, you got Basham with the 61st pick and then grabbed Spencer Brown with the 93rd pick. Anything stand out to you guys, uh, in terms of the Bills draft outside of that, to me, pretty clear theme? So the Bills and the Colts, we'll talk about them a little bit. Both drafted edge rushers with their first two picks, which is pretty, pretty crazy. You don't see that a lot. I think to me, it says, uh, the Bills are like, we're doubling down on what we've been able to accomplish offensively. And we want our defense to be top notch because we know that the Patriots aren't going to mess around and keep stumbling their way to seven wins or whatever it's going to be now in the 17 game season. So yeah, I, I like what they did. Um, there was some concern. I know Trapasso, he probably talked about it. I didn't hear it, but he didn't love the Rousseau, Rousseau pick, at least initially. There was some concern they might take a running back there. I'd have been fine with that as well. But, um, yeah, got better defense. They bolstered the offensive line with Spencer Brown and Tommy Dolan and with the middle picks. Uh, I, I, I like what they did. Uh, I will also throw in, I like what they did because they took someone from Miami of Ohio. What? Tommy Doyle, offensive lineman in the fifth round. And let's not forget, they definitely win the award for taking the player with the coolest name with our friend, Mr. Wild Goose. Is somebody named Wild Goose in their draft? There is someone. Named Wild, Wild Goose. Goose. That is a good draft. I mean, we all have to get Wild Goose jerseys, right? This guy makes the roster. That's the first, if I'm a Bills fan, I am literally ordering Wild Goose jerseys for all my friends. By the way, uh, that was a thing in college with Breach. Breach, what are you doing tonight? I'm getting Wild Goose. <laughs> <laughs> you see him, you see him three days later. <laughs> am I, I mean, look, you look at like Jerry Hughes, he's 32. Six two, not exactly, you know, a monster, a good pass rusher, but you know, an older guy who's who's uh, not exactly huge. And they have Ed Oliver on the interior as well. Vernon Butler, bigger guy. Mario Addison, former Carolina guy. Starlo Tulele, former Carolina guy. There's just they added AJ Epinesa last year. I think this is just clearly. I mean, Rousseau is six five and. Basham is six, no, Basham's six five and Rousseau is six seven. They're both, uh, Rousseau is two sixty five and Basham is two eighty five. I think these are two guys who are designed to come in and help off the edge. Don't need to be full time. You know, you can use them in situational spots early on if you need to, if they're not fully ready to go, but also they're going to help against the run and it'll give you a better rotation on that defensive line. So I, I like, I like what they did there in Buffalo. The Miami Dolphins got, uh, Buffalo got a B minus from Pete Prisco. I, I give him a regular B, but that's kind of nitpicking. The Miami Dolphins, one of the top grade getters, top scorers in Pete Prisco's draft grades, coming through with an A for Miami, starting with their trade. They're traded from three to 12 and back up to six, and they sat there at six and got Jalen Waddle, the explosive playmaker out of Alabama. Then they added Jalen Phillips with their second first-round pick, traded around and came away with Javon Holland, the safety out of Oregon there in the second. Along with Liam Eichenberg, offensive lineman in Notre Dame. Look, Wilson, when you have this many picks in the first two rounds, it's easy to look, come out with a good draft, right? Yeah, in theory. And they did it. I mean, I'm saying theory. They did a good job, but sometimes teams seem to bungle their way through the, through the draft. And we'll talk about those teams a little bit. But yeah, uh, Jalen Phillips, the only issue with him, I didn't have him go in my final mock draft only because I wasn't sure if NFL teams were sold on him, his medicals. He was Same. arguably the best medical, uh, the best edge rusher. In 2020, Jalen Waddle, we know about his explosiveness. And I think what we're seeing here is that two is going to be out of excuses. Hunter Long is their uh, tight end. He went in the third round. I think I had him going in the third round of my multi-round mock drafts. He sort of flew under the radar at BC, but he, he's a really good player. Again, uh, sort of middle of the field security blanket for Tua. And, and then they got some offensive line help. You, meant, you mentioned Eichenberg. They got Lorna Coleman. I, I like it. This team has had two 
on paper, really good drafts and back to back years with Brian Flores there. And, um, you know, they're making their case. The only reason this team doesn't make the playoffs is because of Tua. So it's on him now and, and hopefully they can find that success. They did not get a running back until the seventh round. So that is something perhaps to, to be somewhat worried about. But at the end of the day, you know, if you're going to spare a position, running back feels like the one to spare. Yeah. yeah. And if you look at this draft, if the Dolphins would have just gone home on Friday, and just said, you know what, we're done. We don't even want the rest of our picks. I think you could have still given them an A. That's how good their first four picks were. Uh, and Ryan, you just talked about them, but you know, they had certain needs. They needed edge rusher. They got Jalen Phillips. They, they obviously got Jalen Waddle. Every big need they had, they filled it and they got one of the guys who were at the top of the board. Um, so boom, they took four of the first 42 picks. And I thought they hit a home run with all four of those. And then they went out and got Hunter Long in the third round. I think he'll come in and be able to help. So they, they literally got five guys. You don't see this all the time. Five guys who could be starting with their first five picks. That does not happen a lot. Yeah. Again, Phillips, I think B is probably fair there just because it's, it's a concerning you know, possibility. His, his injury history. Why I, why do I would give a higher grade than a B plus? Um, Holland, I think a lot of people really liked him and. Yeah, I heard Pete say on HQ that he liked Trevon Merrick better, and that's why. But I mean, I had those guys. Merrick was one, and Javon Holland was two for me. So obviously, the 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 uh, Dolphins felt uh, slightly differently. Mm, okay, I like what the Dolphins did though. This, yeah. and, and you're right, it is it is on Tua. <laughs> I mean, it it is. It, it's just on. So Tua. I don't even know who the backup is there now. But um, what if they start two and five? And it's because the quarterback play isn't top. Signed, um, oh, they signed Brissett. Then Boy. you trade for Ryan Fitzpatrick and you let him play the rest of the season. Two and I think, five. I think Brissett is a, an okay. No, no, he's the, uh, two and five and they're struggling. Oh, two, two and five. Jacoby Brissett's starting the next week. Yeah. Okay. Two and five might be two and three. Mm, all right. One I don't want to really, really get caught, caught up on that, but I'll just the schedule is first, but one and three, uh, you're having a conversation if, if it's an easier schedule if two, and two is playing poorly. Shoot, Brissett might play the second half of week one if two it plays bad. <laughs> How Brian Flores is operated. I, I do think though that this is a playoff team, barring injuries and barring two of being terrible. It just has that look about him and they're starting to build in the right way. This division is fascinating too because we have the Patriots in here. The Patriots garnered a B plus from Pete Prisco with their grades. They obviously landed Mac Jones with a 15th overall pick, traded back up, traded up, I believe, to 38 to take Christian Barrymore. Barmore. Yep. Um, huge dude out of Alabama, made a ton of sense for them. Ronnie Perkins in the third round, the edge rusher out of Oklahoma. Ramondre Stevenson, running back from, uh, also from Oklahoma. And then Cameron McGrone, linebacker out of Michigan. That was in the fourth round when they, when they were picking it up, but hard not to like what the Patriots did in those, especially with those first two picks, if you believe. It's funny though that Bama's the new Rutgers, Wilson. Why is Mac getting a B from Pete Prisco? He said it's the perfect situation for him to go. I mean, why wouldn't that be an A? He didn't, if he went he three, he I would like Mac. He doesn't like Mac. Um, one little, you mentioned the, um, yeah, it's the perfect situation for Mac, but not the best pick for the Patriots is what it sounds like. Well, who else are they Prisco's taking there in, in the middle of the first round? Is my question, not to you, but. To, to anyway, but uh, let me mention the stat that I don't remember where I found it, but I, I wrote it down a couple months ago. The Patriots have selected nearly 10% of the available and draftable Alabama players since Nick Saban took over at head coach. He took over in 2007, I believe. So that's interesting and uh, not altogether surprising that two more go with their first two picks. Barmore, first round talent. Ronnie Perkins, I liked him as a 
first round, second round guy. Like he sneaky was really good. Ramon J. Stevenson, he was my sixth running back ahead of even Trey Sermon, who was at Oklahoma before he transferred to Ohio State. Cameron McGrone was a quick inside linebacker type, sort of the, the way they're going there now out of Michigan. And Bledsoe played in the secondary with Gillespie, the safety of Missouri, who also got drafted a, um, a few rounds higher. I think he went in round, in round four. I love this draft. This, this draft is, this draft should be an A, I feel like. I'm not sure what Pete gave the total grade to, but, um. B plus. B plus. So that's close. Yeah. Cause it all comes down to Mac Jones, obviously, but the other guys. I feel like you have, you had Mac Jones as a top, you had him going three and you were, you were fine with yeah. it. You're convinced with it. And if you like Mac Jones, Pete thinks he's a second round guy. That's fine. And we'll all find it together, but I'll keep coming back to the thing. Well, what's the difference between Mac Jones and two of them? If Mac Jones is better and he's picked, you know, 40 spots later. Wilson, if Mac Jones is good, are you going to rub it in Pete's face every day for like a decade? No, cause I have to do TikTok guys first. Once I get through the TikTok guys. Okay. I'll, okay. I'll that's, that's, that's a long list then. You might not ever make it to Frisco. Who starts week one for the Patriots? Mac Jones or Cam Newton? I think it's Cam, right? I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Probably Cam. Could be close. Matt could be good right away, but that offense could take a little while to learn and may want to not throw him out there and have him stink and have people. Yeah. I mean, just there's the nature of that business. Sometimes that is how it works. All right. Let's focus in on the New York football jets who only got a B from Pete Prisco, despite golly, I was asked on uh, by Kyle Bailey on WFNZ about a team whose draft I really liked and the jets came to mind. Now, Again, a lot of it depends on how you feel about Zach Wilson versus the other quarterbacks, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, et cetera, uh, you know, Trey Lance. But I, you know, I sort of trust the Jets. If they think that Wilson can work out, then I, I don't know. I, I, I like the idea. Of, Let me ask you this bigger, bigger wild card in terms of working out Zach Wilson or Mac Jones, because I, I'm not sure that the answer is Zach Wilson. And part of that has to do with where you're going clearly. Well, no, I think the answer is Zach Wilson. More likely to work out or less likely to work out? I think Zach Wilson is more likely to be a top five quarterback than Mac Jones, but Zach Wilson is also more likely to be a bottom 25 quarterback or bottom 10 quarterback than Mac Jones. Right. It could be Sam Darnold all over again, basically. Sure. Now, and, the, and the, but now this is why I like the Jets draft because they did, they have done the opposite of what the Jets did for Sam Darnold. The Jets yes. did Sam Darnold and said, Hey, we got you a, Old running back who's been jet skiing in Miami for a while and a middle linebacker. If you could go, you know, be, make this team good for the first time in 25 years, that'd be great. The, the running back doesn't want to be there and the linebacker's going to opt out though. So do you think Sam Darnold was watching the draft go down? He's like, I was in New York for three years. Like what the hell is going on? You guys didn't do anything for me. And then the second I leave, all of a sudden you're building this stud roster and giving your quarterback every single thing he needs, which is the opposite of what I got. So since, so the, the Jets drafted Sam Darnold in 2018. They had two drafts with Mike McCagnan. They drafted two tight ends, Chris Herndon in the fourth round and Trayvon Wesco in the fourth round of 2019. They drafted one running back in those drafts, Trenton Cannon in the sixth round of 2018 with Sam Darnold. They didn't draft a single wide receiver. For Sam Darnold in the first two years, they came back and get Denzel Mims in the second round. They grabbed Michael P. Ryan in the fourth round. This is under Joe Douglas, I believe. Yeah, because Joe Douglas drafted Mackay Beckton in the first round. Like, look at what Joe Douglas has done with his first. So he's had five picks in the first or second round of the last two drafts. One of them is Zach Wilson. One of them's Mackay Beckton. One of them is Elijah Moore. One of them is Elijah Vera Tucker. 
and the other is Denzel Mims. You are trying to help your young quarterback. You give them linemen and you give them skill guys. Why is that so hard to figure out, Jets? Sorry, I had to sneeze. I don't know. And that's why McCagney's not there. But I think Breach is onto something where Sam Darnold feels like he was set up to fail. And maybe part of the thinking was, oh, we have quarterback whisperer, um, Adam Gase here. He'll take care of everything. Right. And, uh, yeah, he didn't take care of anything. And in fact, it, he made things worse. And so, were- so I think if you put Sam Darnold on the Jets for 2021, that they're a playoff contender. Well, we'll find out quickly because he's going to be on the Panthers, which is the better roster right now. Yeah. So. But I mean, look, when you talk about, so the, they grab Michael. Oh, great. They grabbed Michael Carter in the fourth round. No, they, they, really, oh, they, right. They got both Michael Carters. They weren't sure which one they were drafting, so they took one, both of them. Yeah, one, one Duke and one UNC Michael Carter. It was pretty crazy. But they have. They had a great draft. Like, I, um, yeah. I'm not sure which part Pete was frustrated with. Maybe he doesn't love Zach Wilson, and that's certainly it's fine. All, it's all Zach Wilson. But I mean, you talk about the play. Elijah Moore is awesome. Um, he, he's electric. Michael Carter is awesome as a running back. So I, I think, um, and they got the offensive line help, but you know, they traded to get it. They had all the draft picks to be able to do that. So if you have Makai Becton standing next to Elijah Barry Tucker for the next seven, eight, nine, ten years or whatever, that solves uh, the same thing we said with the, the Bengals and lead up to the draft. That solves a lot of problems. Yep. And, and for the record, Pete wanted the Jets to take Justin Fields. Okay. They did not take Justin Fields. And obviously, you know, Ryan, you were just talking about it a little bit with, how we look back on this draft, who is there a chance that Zach Wilson's that quarterback who didn't pan out? And I, you know, I do think there's some risk in taking him because you look at his time at BYU. He was average for the first two years he started. All of a sudden he has a breakout season, but it was the COVID year. And the only reason that's worth mentioning is because of who BYU played. You know, like I think that's going to be your knock on Zach Wilson is that, Hey, look, you guys didn't really play any good teams. Uh, during the year you were awesome. So what's he going to do in the NFL when, you know, his receivers are only open by six inches and you have to get the football in there. And I remember the, the thing that really uh, Jay Gruden talking about Kirk cousins a few months ago said he just always got frustrated with cousins because everything had to be perfect. Cousins yeah. wouldn't throw it unless his guy was open. And that feels like you could get something like that with Zach Wilson. Cause he hasn't had to play it the level he's going to have to play at to be successful in the NFL. That's not saying he can't do it. He might pan out. They might win a Super Bowl with him, but that is something definitely worth watching. Hey, let me ask you this, Preach and Bretson, because that's a, those Gruden comments are, I've forgotten about them and they're important, but who do you trust more? And I'm actually not even joking. I, I don't know what the answer is. Do you trust Kyle Shanahan, who maybe isn't the best evaluator of talent, but loves Kirk Cousins? Like he's had some questionable drafts, like the, or even like signing McKinnon to that huge deal and that didn't work out. Sure. Um, or do you trust John Gruden, uh, not John, Jay Gruden, uh, who was, you know, face to face with Kirk Cousins for a while. And who did he bench Kirk Cousins for eventually? Uh, did he bench Kirk Cousins? Maybe he did. Maybe he was just frustrated with him. Yeah. I think that Kyle Shanahan believes he can make everything perfect for Kirk Cousins. I think they're both right. But he would rather have Kirk Cousins than Jimmy G, I would imagine, if I had to speculate. Right? Yes. Yeah. He would rather have Kirk Cousins. He loves Kirk Cousins. But I think, I also think there's a chance that, Kyle Shannon would rather have Zach Wilson than Trey Lance. Yeah, see, I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know about that. But I mean, we we didn't know what the three knowing Zach Wilson wasn't going to be there. I don't know. Well, we didn't. I I feel like he did know Zach Wilson was not going to. Well, you know, Robert Saul was his buddy, and he probably he knew Zach Wilson wasn't. Oh yeah, yeah, and he was still fine making the trade because he's like, oh, whatever. I don't want Zach Wilson. I think I think they actually may have been comfortable with five quarterbacks. I don't know. I think they knew. 
I mean, Adam Schefter said earlier today on the Underdog Palooza Fantasy Show with or Draft Show with uh with with Josh Norris and company. He he described it as they were prepared to propose to Mac Jones, and then traded up, and then traded up, and then ran away with another woman. See, I don't believe that. <laughs> I I don't I don't believe that. And not no disrespect to Adam Schefter, but I, you don't trade up because we're ninety again ninety five percent of the way through this thing. These teams know who they like in the last five. You're going to trade up from 12 to three, give three first round picks. I can, I can see if you're sitting at 27 and you have some, you're, you're, you have some, um, uncertainty in the room about who you want to take, but I don't imagine you give three first round picks with the understanding that you're going to take player A and then fall in love with player B. That just seems like too much crazy town. Okay. Crazy no? town. No, what about it? the deeper part of this jet strap really quickly? Anybody stand out as that as a second day or third day guy uh, worth noting, Wilson, for you? Uh they got Hampton Israel Dean, the safety out of Florida State, had an ACL injury that cut short his twenty nineteen. Um he's like a box safety, but he's incredibly athletic. I was hoping he'd have a better season in twenty twenty and improve his draft stock. But um again, more defensive help, which is exactly what they need. And uh oh, Jamie Sherwood too is a guy that I Love. He's actually sort of like natural Dean in the way he plays. Uh, he plays a little deeper, but he's mostly a downhill punch in the face type guy. Uh, so those are two names that, uh, stood out to me. And Trapasso gave a A minus to their final pick, which was sixth rounder Jonathan Marshall, defense lineman out of Arkansas. There you go. All right. There you go. Let's move on to our next division. The AFC North. Who, who are oh, your team? Should have been the Browns, but you guys. Yeah, I want to talk about the Bengals. I want to talk about the Bengals. You said that, uh, Debo. So the Ravens. We'll start with the. We'll start with the Baltimore Ravens because we can go in alphabetical order, and that just makes life easier. The Baltimore Ravens had two first round picks after dealing with Orlando Brown of the Kansas City Chiefs, and they come away with Rashad Bateman at number twenty seven, the wide receiver out of Minnesota, killed by Pete Brisker here with a C. He liked Elijah Moore better. I, I know he was texting about it. And Jason Owe with a B minus there, the edge rusher out of Penn State. They also grabbed Ben Cleveland, Georgia offensive lineman in the third round, their second round pick. And, or do they trade back into the second round? I can't remember. I'm not sure. I mean, you're asking wrong. Second round. I was, oh, I was, no, their second round pick went to KC. There you go. In the Orlando Brown trade. That's right. Uh, and then Brandon Stevens, SMU cornerback, Tyler Wallace, like potential superstar out of Oklahoma State had torn an ACL and, um, I was shocked he was there in the fourth round. I love that pick. Pretty good draft for the Ravens. Nothing. I mean, I guess, you know, again, with these, you know, you talk about these, when Pete's giving out the grades, you know, he gave him a B minus, probably because he didn't want Eric DaCosta calling him up and complaining that he, uh, that he, that he crushed him would be my guess. Pete's scared. So, so he did that, but clearly he didn't really love their draft, especially up top. Well, would you agree or disagree? No, uh, the thing about Elijah Moore is that he's basically a version of Hollywood Brown. So how many Hollywood Browns do you need in that team? Rashad Bateman plays big. Um, he didn't have a great 2020 in, in part because I think he lost some weight after having COVID over the summer and he said it affected him, but it's 2019. He was, he was dominant. Like he was just taking over, played outside. He can play inside. So I wouldn't take Elijah Moore over Rashad Bateman, given what the Ravens need to do and given who they have on their roster. Maybe at the end of the day, Moore becomes a better player and that's certainly fine. Uh, by the way, Jason Owe, I love that pick. I thought he was going to go. I actually had him going to the Ravens in the first round. I had him going. Odafe Owe. That's right. I was just going to say he he is now wants to be known as Odafe. So that's what we will call him. Jason Owe is changing his name now. 
No, well, think- Jason, Jason was his middle name and he went by that because it was easier for everyone right. at Penn State. But now that he's in the NFL. He's like, all right, you're calling me by my first name. Uh, and that's what we're going to do. Interesting. I yeah. don't want him to get mad at us. It was, oh, like, well. it was like, uh, Giancarlo Stanton. You know, he was Mike Stanton. Oh, I didn't even know that was the same guy. Yeah. That's how, that's how close that fellow. When he was in the minor leagues, he got to the pros. He said, no, I'm going to be Giancarlo now and I'm going to hit bombs. And I'll just mention Sean Wade quickly. Uh, his 2020 just didn't work out. He, he was sort of like the Terrace Marshall of that secondary at, at Ohio State with, um, Damon Arnett and Jeffrey Akuda. And then when he was on his own, it just it went sideways and he played outside last year. He had played inside the year before. And I don't know what the Ravens can do with him. They have moved him to safety, but if there's any team that get the most out of a player, it, it's him. And then, um, Ben Mason, the fullback is sort of a, a Kyle Juszczyk type. So he could be a, an interesting get there in round five. Okay, dig it. I, I think the Ravens draft is perfectly fine. Again, yeah, no, I like it. I, I will say that it does feel like they're putting a lot of pressure on Lamar Jackson. You know, like Ryan, you were talking about Tua. Uh, the Ravens, you draft two receivers. You haven't been able to throw the ball very effectively. And that's kind of been one reason why you have these early playoff exits. And now you put more weapons around Lamar. And now, you know, obviously they run the ball, but you've got to prove, you've got to be able to throw the ball effectively if you're going to win in the postseason. And so more pressure on Lamar here, but I like the I, draft too. I gave him an A minus. I'm not sure uh, on HQ. So I'm not sure what, what did Pete give him? B minus. B minus. Oh, I mean, he gave him a C for taking freaking Bateman. All right. To the Browns. Uh, he said they had two first round picks and I didn't love either one of their selections. Yeah. That's Dang, Pete. Yeah. I mean, you got to remember Pete, Chris Chaposso is doing all the day to everything first, after the first round grades. So Pete's grades are basically first and second and third rounds. But I mean, if you, you know, if you like somebody late, he'll mention that too. The Cleveland Browns open up with Greg Newsom, the second, the cornerback after Northwestern with the 26th overall pick. Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa, they snag in the second round, 52nd overall. One of the, some people think you see that A plus from traps. Uh, some people believe one of the biggest steals of the entire draft go with another wide receiver in Anthony Schwartz. All right, so who's doing the grade for Anthony Schwartz? I'm confused. Is it is it Prisco unless otherwise noted? Prisco loved him. So what a grade did he give Anthony Schwartz? A B. Probably not him. Speed, speed, speed. That sounds like Prisco. I think Prisco only did the first round grade. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah maybe so. That, that's my understanding. Okay. Okay. As the so, newsletter guy. Right. Uh, James Hudson in the fourth round, and a, you know a host of fourth and fifth and sixth round picks there. Wilson, your thoughts on the Browns overall? So job. on HQ, I gave the Browns an A. I love Newsom. I love Abusu Koromoa. By the way, his nickname's Wu, so we can save ourselves a. I thought a, he was Joka. JOK, but I think he goes by Wu. I think JOK is what the media dubbed him. Okay. But, um, you know, it's funny. Like I had him going in the first round because I just couldn't convince myself that he wasn't. But I remember talking to a scout earlier in the process that said, I don't think he's a first round pick. So that's on me. That blew up my face. So I think maybe he went right away where he should have gone because obviously he got passed on 32 times in the first round and then 19 times in the second. But again, he, he has a lot of special traits. The Schwartz pick is interesting. I thought he was a day three guy only because he played in a doo-doo offense. And maybe that has more to do with Bo Nixon than, than Anthony Schwartz and his teammate Seth Williams, who actually got drafted after him despite being more productive in college. Uh, Schwartz to me is basically Mike, um, Mike Wallace. So he has that type of potential. He's a, he's a track speed guy. And, uh, Demet- Demetri Felton, the last pick they took in the sixth round. He's like a, he's one of Pete Prisco's airbag type guys. So uh, I think they, they got a lot better and you can't, that's all you want to do is get better on paper. And not every team did that. 
Yeah, and, and one thing I like about the Schwartz, like, there's no pressure on him going in there. You have Jarvis right. Landry, you have Odell Beckham. So at the very best, you're going to be asked to be a third receiver. And, I, you know, I think that's something he can succeed at. Uh, you guys also, you know, you just talked about JOK. And, you know, I, I thought Cleveland had an awesome draft. And they've been doing everything well this offseason. You add Greg Newsom to your first-round pick when you've already been beefing up your secondary with guys like John Johnson and Troy Hill. I mean, the Browns just look stacked on paper right now. The Browns are just a good football team. Mm-hmm. They're freaking um, – Think about it this way. Andrew Barry had, uh, had I a can't kid. can't the owner's name. Haslam. Jimmy Haslam. Haslam. Jimmy Haslam fired up to the max. Finally Fire. getting out of the way and letting Andrew Barry and Paul DePodesta. Well, know, think about this. Andrew Barry had a, uh, I think a daughter born the night before the draft or maybe the, that morning of the draft and they still crushed it. If Freddie Kitchens was having a kid born, we still wouldn't know where he would be right now. Like he'd be out somewhere. Like where's Freddie? We wouldn't see him till the 2023 draft <laughs> with a full beard. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be nuts. Yeah. I, I just think when you look at what Cleveland did, that's a playoff team from last year. Baker Mayfield could take a big step forward this season. He knows he's playing for money. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if Cleveland was right back in the playoffs or if they even just won this division. I think that's entirely in the cards. The Pittsburgh Steelers didn't get a good grade from Pete Briscoe AC. And because they took a running back in the first round, even though 24th overall. The most yeah. obvious mock, it was, it, everybody said, you know, credit to those, all those Pittsburgh writers who said that the Steelers were going to take a running back in the first round. And if you put Najee Harris to the Steelers, you've got two free points in your mock draft. I, I bailed on it the last second. I obviously Who'd you have? Mm, let me look. I'll tell you. Yeah. That's the thing about Pittsburgh. And we talked about this on the, on the Thursday night recap podcast, of the first round that they don't hide who they're taking, at least in terms of how they're being reported. Like no one knew what the 49ers were doing and understandably. So no one knew that the bears were going to trade up for a quarterback. The Steelers just put it out there. Uh, if this person's here, we're going to take this person. Next question. So, uh, yeah, that seemed pretty straightforward. And Pete did say on HQ that the only re- the biggest ding against the Steelers was the fact they took a running back. But if you need a running back and then you circle back and fill the needs at offensive line, it's fine. I have no issue with it. So, um, I like what they did. It wasn't as sexy as, um, any of the three other teams in their division, frankly, in terms of what they did on draft day, but they got a tight end, Pat Fryermuth, who I think is going to be awesome. He feels like a Heath Miller type. Uh, and then they got Kendrick Green, who might be one of my favorite players in this draft, who plays guard and, and can play center. And that's what they need there. And they got a, a left tackle, Dan Moore Jr. out of, uh, Texas A&M and fourth round. And they got Quincy Roche, who, I had as a late third, early fourth edge rusher who transferred from Temple to, to the U last year. Um, there's a reason he fell down there, so we'll see if that ends up being a steal or not. Oh, and Breach, what do you think about the punter? The punter can eat Evan McPherson. That's how big this guy is, the punter at Georgia Tech. Ryan, I was happy that the Steelers took a punter because there was almost no punters drafted. It took to, like, the final ten picks till they came through with that. And uh you know had what? You, did you know who he was, though? Had you seen him before? I did know who he was, and it's because uh there's something very notable about him. He's one of the very, 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 very few black punters in NFL history. Now, I mean, we're not even talking getting drafted. We're talking Reggie Roby and the Oakland punter. Who was that? Marquette, Marquette King. King. So yeah. it's like it is a very minimal list. It's it's uh so it's awesome that he got drafted, and I, I think he's going to make the team. I mean, but more than that, he's, and like, he's a big guy. He's he, like two fifty. <laughs> he's like the he's Ben Roethlisberger size. <laughs> Yeah, he threw a touchdown pass uh last season, so maybe maybe the Steelers drafted him to replace Ben Roethlisberger. If Big Ben was athletic and a punter, he would be 
uh, Presley Harvin. But I think that's what you do. I, I, I like to pick. Pete didn't. I was going to tell Pete to learn the game. Learn the special <laughs> teams game, Pete. Uh, you know, obviously you can get an undrafted free agent, but if you want the best kicker or punter, you have to bring him in because there's no, there's no, uh, guarantee they're going to want to sign with you. If you're a, a punter, say from a southern state like Florida, you're not going to want to go up north and kick field goals. You're not going to sign there willingly. Uh, so, and Harvin went to Georgia Tech. So not the exact same thing, but I, so I like this pick by the Steelers. I think the concern, if you're a Steelers fan, is that you have Big Ben, who's older, probably in his last year. You hope so. One of his last two years, for sure. They did sign really Mason Rudolph to an extra year on his deal. Woo! They really needed offensive line help, and they got it in the third and fourth rounds. And Traps gives them an A minus for both of those guys, Dan Moore and Kendrick Green. But you just wonder, did they do enough? They were in such a bad spot because they were better than they probably should have been last year and weren't in yeah. a position to draft a quarterback to replace Big Ben. I just think it's, it feels like they're well floating they, in this weird spot where. Well, and that's, the, let me ask Wilson this real quick because obviously they needed offensive line. That was a major need going in the draft. And sure, you know, you get one in the third round, you get one in the fourth round, but your top offensive lineman taken for the Steelers was the 19th offensive lineman off the board. So you're taking right. the 19th best guy when you're trying to fix this gaping hole on your team. That's not, you know, like I feel like they should have done offensive line the second round and maybe looked a little let, later for tight end. Uh, I mean, are, hey, are Breach, you comfortable with that? Breach, put on your seatbelt because I look at my big board here. Kendrick Green was my offensive guard number two. <laughs> I had take that. So, and that's the other thing. Like, I, I, look, that second round but, pick of the tight end. Where was Mac Jones? Number one. <laughs> uh, the, th- the second round tight end was a head scratcher. I was like, oh, okay. I, I sort of talked myself into it because you're right. Um, offensive tackle was a huge need there. And, um, we'll see if Dan Moore works out the, the kid they took out of Texas A&M. I mean, you don't rarely plug in a fourth rounder at left tackle and think it's going to work out, but I think Kendrick Green has a chance to be really good. So I wasn't worried about that. I was happy they got him. I thought he should go sooner than that. I had a, like a late second, early third round, uh, grade on him. So I'm okay with that. I mean, he and, was, uh, quick secret in my Bengals mock draft, I actually had them taking Kendrick Green. So it's oh, also, it's also possible that, cause you know, in the second round, we saw a very, you know, we saw a ton of offensive linemen come off the board. Landon Dickerson, Tevin Jenkins, Liam Eichenberg, Walker <laughs> Little, Jackson Carmen, Aaron Banks, Samuel Cosme. Dylan Raddins. I mean, that's all, you know, it's sort of what happened to Green Bay last year with the AJ Dillon thing where, you know, all these guys just came off the board and you were sort of stuck. So the Steelers either had to trust their board and take Fryermuth at, at, there at two. I mean, he's been comped a lot to Heath Miller. So maybe it makes some sense or you reach for an offensive lineman and which, which it's possible they didn't want to do. And Kevin Colbert's good at this, good at this, right? I mean, I, I'm not. Oh, yeah. I'm not right. Yeah. They, they had some salary cap concerns and that, that put them behind the eight ball. They weren't a better team heading into the draft than they were at the end of last season. And they still may not be a better team than they were at the end of last season, but, um, they have Juju coming back for one year. So that's good. But the offensive line is the biggest concern. They got, um, some other holes to fill, but Dupree's gone secondary. So, you know, as we like to joke, if not for Zach Taylor, this could be the fourth best team in the division, but we'll see. We'll see. And also look at, you know, in the third round, there weren't a ton of offensive linemen off the board. I'm kind of like four or five. Jalen Mayfield, Brady Christensen, and you know, we'll cover all these folks, but it looks like the Steelers, if I think, I think maybe what happened to them is there's a long run on offensive linemen 
they had Friar Muth higher on their board. They didn't have an offensive lineman they loved in the second round there. So they decided to go in that angle and see who came back to him in the third round. And, you know, if it works out, we'll see. They could also just get the ball out quickly. Let's focus in on the Cincinnati Bengals. And John Breach, you had a seven-round mock for them before the season, before the draft, excuse me. What? How, how close to accurate was it? Uh, Position-wise, let's see. I think I nailed about everything. <laughs> Player-wise. Yeah, right. I, I, well, okay. You had him drafting wide receiver and offensive lineman, huh? <laughs> with the top two picks. I had him drafting a kicker, and I had him drafting uh, a pass rusher, defensive lineman. So they literally drafted every position I thought they would, except for one, and that was tight end. I was a little surprised they did not take a tight end. But look, this draft really comes down to their top two picks. Obviously, everyone debating before the draft whether they should take Jamar Chase or Panay Sewell. And, you know, I think what got lost in all that is that the Bengals needed guards. Like they had, they knew who their starting tackles were going to be for the 2021 season. It's going to be Riley Reef and it's going to be Jonah Williams. So uh, if you draft Panay Sewell, you're kicking him inside the guard. Is that really what you want to do with your fifth overall pick? So I think part of you saying, do we want Jamar Chase, the hands down top receiver in the draft in our eyes, or do we want a guy that we're going to kick in the guard? And, you know, what if, that line works well next year. Then he's your guard for a couple years uh, until you get rid of someone at tackle. Then maybe you transition him to tackle. So anyway, I thought they made the right decision overall. The big pick is going to be Jackson Carmen. He is going to be your new guard. He was the left tackle at Clemson. If Jackson Carmen pans out and the Bengals line is good next year, then no one's going to remember that they didn't take Panay Sewell. So uh, that's really what it comes down to is if Jackson well, Carmen pans out and Jamar Chase isn't a, t- a bust. You know, if he's just above average. And I, I would say this too, and I said this before the draft. If you were looking at the wide receivers on the board, the Bengals were going to have to decide, do we want Jamar Chase and one of – well, Landon Dickerson would just come off the board to the Eagles, the, the pick before. They could have stayed there and taken Tevin Jenkins, Liam Eichenberg, Walker Little, or Jackson Carmen. Do you want Jamar Chase and one of those guys – or do you want Panay Sewell and Elijah Moore? Now, you might say that Panay Sewell and Elijah Moore on, on talent and on base and on you know, full breakdown are better than Jamar Chase and uh, Jackson Carmen. But the Bengals already have a slot guy in Tyler Boyd. They've already they drafted him and they've already paid him. And as you point out, Breach, the Panay Sewell thing was going to be tricky, at least for 2021, and you're going to have to move him around. And are you drafting a right tackle at fifth overall if Jonah Williams is your left guy? And is Riley Reef cool with kicking inside after he signed a free agent contract with them? So there's a lot more to me. It made, it always made more sense that they would go chase and then come back and grab the offensive lineman in the second because of the, the nature of where their roster sits with slot receivers and with the tackles. It also makes more sense now. I thought they should have gone Panay first. I think Breach, I'm not sure Breach changed his mind on that at the very end, but I know at one point he was thinking the same thing. Panay first and then circle back for wide receiver. Cause Elijah Mitchell, he can play outside if you need him to, but so can Tyler Boyd. They're different size wide receivers. But either way, if the idea is, okay, we're going to take Jackson Carmen with the note of the knowledge that he's going to kick inside the guard, which had been a conversation about where his prospects would end up, then even better. You don't need to take a guard at the top of the, with the fifth overall pick. So that's perfect. And then, Deontay Smith is an interesting prospect at ECU. He he has like 50-inch arms. That's an exaggeration, but he has extremely long arms. He's extremely athletic. He's just raw and one of those guys that you hope can put it together without any pressure of having to play. So if you're already knew as the Bengals that you're going to go with Jonah Williams on the left side, Riley Reef on the right side, we want to get a guard here, then absolutely you take Jamar Chase there 
And um, Cameron Sample, I like a lot. I think I had him in like the second round of some of my multi-round mock drafts. Tyler Shelvin is a huge human being. We know that Breach loves McPherson, uh, and they filled out the the special teams there at the end with White Hubert. Yeah, th- this. Uh, let me see, Breach. I gave them an A. They were them and the Browns had the best grades in the, in the AFC. I board. would have given them a minus. Pete gave them a B minus. What's going on, Presco? Learn the game. A B Learn minus. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, he hated that they drafted a kicker. And I'll just say real quick about McPherson that, uh, just talking to my dad after the draft, he thought McPherson was yeah, round uh, and he was the only kicker drafted. But I think the feeling was that it, it, Darren Simmons, the Bengals special teams coach said, if you want to get the best kicker, you have to overdraft him by a round. And because they traded with the Patriots, they got two extra fourth round picks. So they got all the guys they want in the fourth round. They said, all right, we're going to grab our kicker in the fifth round. And so, uh, you know, I always want to see a team grab a good kicker, especially the Bengals. So I was thrilled with that pick. I thought they made the right decision there. Just if they had not gotten those two extra fourth round picks, well, it would have been a little iffy taking a kicker that high, but I was fine with it in that sense. Um, and, and so I think he will thrive in Cincinnati and I will talk about him on every podcast next season so that Brinson cannot play that godforsaken. Oh my, he missed. Please All don't right, hurt yourself on any kicks, Evan. When we come back, are the Jaguars a sleeper to win the AFC South with their draft? We'll tell you next. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Houston Texans are where we will begin with the AFC South grades. And I can tell you this will be a quick chat because they didn't have any picks. They had five of them. And the first one they used on a quarterback, which led to a a... a so a shockingly large amount of speculation or just discussion on the NFL network broadcast. Like Rich Eisen was apoplectic about the Texans drafting a quarterback in the third round. Jeremiah was saying, basically this means that Deshaun Watson's not coming back and he's not one to break news. I was like, Oh my gosh, what what's going on? I, I think that's probably right. Well, I mean, if you have all these holes on your roster, you cannot use 
your first pick on the position where your most talented player is at unless he's not going to be on the roster. I mean, that's that's what it means. There's no – unless you're the Packers, uh, and that has not worked out well. Is this with, the same team that gave up 400 first-round picks for Larry Tunzel? Yes. <laughs> right now – wait, wait. Draft. I mean – Right. Just check it. Right now, the – the the Texans QB room is Deshaun Watson, Tyrod Taylor, Davis Mills, and they have a fourth quarterback, don't they? Ryan yeah. Finley, you fool! Ryan Finley, they traded for Ryan Finley. I wanted Ryan to say it. <laughs> Ryan, I, but so they have four quarterbacks. There's no way Deshaun Watson's sticking around. So you know what you know what this draft feels like to me. What? Waving the white flag on the 2021 season. You know when you you hit your you hit, you're playing golf and you hit a tee shot into the woods, mm-hmm. you get in there and you're looking and there's a little tiny window to try and fire at the green with like a crazy shot, or you can just turn to the right <laughs> and take your medicine like an adult and punch it back into the fairway. What this feels like a take your medicine draft. You got no first and second round picks. You're picking at 67. Yeah. You're the Vegas. Do you know what the win total is right now for Brenton? I thought for sure you know the opposite way, and this is them taking that one percent shot. Let's get Davis Mills. Let's get him as our quarterback. We're gonna win the Super Bowl with the rookie. Do you know Ryan guessed five for their win total? Remember, seventeen games. So five is a good guess. What do you think it is, Breach? Five and a half. It's got to be low. Three and a half. Oh my god. For gave an extra game and they moved it to three and a half in some places. So that's like basically two and a half in in the season, the regular sixteen game season we're used to. It's historically low. Sweet mama. It is historically low. I'm going to double check and see what that is on uh, the depressing. That's what it is. It is depressing. Yeah, the Texans are twenty to one to win the AFC South. Any other division, they'd be like a hundred and one. Over under five is at William Hill. They still haven't adjusted, but the under is juiced minus one eighty. It would be stunning if this team won five games or more. It's a really bad roster. And they are just sort of I don't mind that I mean I don't mind the Davis Mills pick mainly because I just we don't you don't I mean they don't have anything. It's, they don't have they don't have anything. Well I mind it. Why are you signing Tyrod Taylor? I mean You want to start Tyrod Taylor for sixteen games? There was a report out there that the Texans had an offer from the Panthers with three first round picks and multiple players for Deshaun Watson and that they were planning on Waiting until right before the draft and dealing him and that it all, uh, you know, it all fell apart with the Watson off field stuff. So now they just kind of have to sit and wait. I, you know, you're just sort of nothing bothers me about the Texans because they're just waiting to see what happens with Watson. Yeah. I think the real loser here is Nick Casario. He's, he probably wishes he didn't take this job because I'm guessing he didn't know anything about the allegations facing Deshaun Watson. He knew about the Deshaun Watson wanting to leave Houston part of it, but then things just, you know, got immeasurably worse once he arrived. That's and great. also. Is David, have we seen David Culley? Is he still there? <laughs> like, I haven't seen his face. I don't know if he spoke to the media over draft week. Maybe he did. I did see Casario, but uh, someone check in on him too. Seriously, where is he? So, Indianapolis Colts. Let's move on. We don't need to talk about the Texans for very long. They stink. Indiana- uh, you know what's funny is the Texans got an overall D grade, just real quick, but we gave all their picks, uh, a B or better. Yeah, it's easy to just give somebody a D when, well, it wasn't Pete grading any of their picks. They didn't have any picks when Pete was doing the grades, you know? So, and he loved Davis Mills. I'm surprised he gave him a bad grade. Interesting. Yeah, right. but I think the landing spot in. Yeah. Anywho. Talk about the Colts. The Colts had Quiddy Pay fall to them at 21. It was a little bit of a surprise. And then made some other picks in the second round, Ryan. 
Yeah, so it's funny because we just talked about the the Bills doing this, but the 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 Bengals, the, excuse me, the Colts were the other team that took edge rushers with back to back picks. And you have a need for edge rusher, but I don't remember in recent history seeing that. Now, uh, Odingbo, Deo Odingbo, I think I said from Vanderbilt. He's he's big, so he could actually kick inside and probably play some three technique as well. Quiddy Pay is going to be an outside guy for the most part, and I, I get that. But it, it is a it is a curious draft after that. Uh, Debo's guy Michael Strawn out of Charleston, who, who's talked with Pat P and, and B Mac on the All Things Covered podcast. Uh, he he was drafted in the seventh round. He's a big, fast receiver who hasn't played against anyone, so we'll see how he matches up against uh, better talent for sure. Ellinger was drafted in the sixth round, which is fine. He's, he's just going to be, uh, a backup. I'm not sure how that's going to play itself out. And, um, Ryan, we, uh, raised the question on Saturday. What does this mean for Jacob Eason as the starting Colts quarterback? Are you scared at all about what this means for Jacob Eason's future? Or is it maybe Carson Wentz in trouble? Carson Wentz. <laughs> I, I think Jacob, I mean, we don't know anything about Jacob Eason because we didn't have, I was, the, one of the things I'm most excited about is preseason football. Um, in part, is it just three weeks now, Breach? To what? So preseason is just three weeks long? Yeah, yeah, three games. But we get to see these rookies that we didn't get to see last year. So we have no idea if Jacob Easton can throw the ball overhand or not after he joined the Colts. We know he could do it in college. So yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I feel like you're taking Jacob Easton all day long over Ellinger, but who, who the heck knows? Um, I don't think it's, I think it's just a roster filler, but we'll see. That's the great thing about preseason. How, how long do you think the phone conversation went between Frank Reich and Carson Wentz when he had to tell him they were drafting a quarterback? Cause you know, Carson Wentz is sensitive. And if he would have found that out through the media, he's quitting the team on the spot. Yeah. Listen, so that's Carson, the first call, that's the first call you make. We got to take a quarterback. We're going to do it. It's in the sixth round. You don't have to worry. Or do you? Or exactly. <laughs> that coward. That coward. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm fine with this draft. It feels, you know, a lot of times I think we look at Chris Ballard drafts after the fact and you don't feel blown away by them. And then yeah. it just turns out that Indianapolis is really good at identifying talent. I gave them a B minus yeah. on HQ. I mean, I mean probably know though real quick, the, they did not, they, they didn't need at left tackle and they did not go out and fill that need. So they got to figure something out over the next couple months. Yeah. Sam Tevy. They should have traded for Orlando Brown. Would you rather have Quiddy Pay or Orlando Brown? Well, that's the thing. They they don't have a they don't have a uh, a left tackle other than Sam Tevy, who who you know he struggled at times last year in Los Angeles. I mean, they probably could have gotten the twenty seventh pick back. Give twenty one for Orlando Brown and twenty seven, and I mean that's sort of what Kansas City did. I would have rather done that than take Pay at twenty one if it, if it's me personally. But, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Sam Tevy protecting Carson Wentz, not exactly what you want. The Jaguars, Jaguars had, of course, a good draft in the sense that they started off with Trevor Lawrence, an A plus, an easy pick, but then a very curious selection of urban, of, uh, Travis Etienne at 25th overall. Not because I don't like Travis Etienne. I love him, but after, after the draft, Car, uh, Urban Meyer, I almost called him Carson Wentz and Pete Prisco. <laughs> what is it? What urban Meyer came out and said that Etienne is going to be their third down back, which, you don't, you don't use a 25th overall pick for your third down back. Tyson Campbell, a nice grab at 33 overall. Walker Little helps beef up the offensive line. Pretty good draft in general, but one thing that stands out to me is that if you look at the history of, uh, of, God, so what's his name? The GM, Trey Balky. Mm-hmm. He, 
he's obsessed with drafting people who have torn ACLs. Does that mean I'm getting drafted? Maybe. Tyson Campbell, I believe, had a torn, right? Did Tyson Campbell have one? No, no, no. Back to back, it was Walker Little in the second round at 45th overall and Andre Sisko, the safety out of Syracuse at thir- uh, third round, 65th overall. Both guys to- uh, coming off ACL injuries. Oh, well, I think a- one reason you do that though is because their stock falls. Exactly. And yeah. that's how you get value. Uh, yeah. I mean, sure. In fact, Breach, cause I knew you were going to ask me, I had Walker Little as a fourth round pick. So he goes in round two just because of the injury concern. And I had Andre Sisko as a middle of the third round pick as top of the third round. So. I mean, That's- there's an article on NBC Sports Bay Area. Jags Balky, shocking nobody, drafts two players who tore ACLs. <laughs> what, where is that? <laughs> uh, it is just on, on like NBC Bay Area. Oh, okay. I, I know. Who's Ahead of his hiring, NBC Sports Bay Area's Brian Witt wrote that 49ers fans won't be surprised if the Jags also draft a player coming off a torn ACL or two. I mean, they did, they did just that. That's crazy. He just yeah. loves doing it. It happens. And also, I think it's been pretty funny how open, uh, Urban Meyer was about the draft. You know, all these coaches are keeping their cards close to the best. And now you have Urban Meyer just saying, Oh, you know what? I, I actually wanted Kadarius Tony. I guess that's who they were targeting at 25th overall. He got drafted by the Giants. So then it's like, you know what? Let's just take Trevor Lawrence's teammate. Let's bring the band back together. And that's what they end up doing. And another thing is that apparently Urban Meyer went up to Trent Balky and was like, what, how can we get, Kyle Pitts and Baki was like, man, I know this is your first draft, but there's no way we can get Kyle Pitts. Mm. <laughs> so we got one in 25. Well, what are they? No. What's your second one? No, one in two, three and they trade it back. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe you, you give up the 25th overall in your first round pick next year. Would that have done it? <laughs> Urban Meyer said he wanted Kyle Pitts. This is a great tweet from JP Shadrick. How do we get him? Baki said he looked at him like he had five heads. <laughs> well, you don't take Trevor Lawrence. That's how you get him. You kidnap him. That's the only way you're going to get him. Yeah. <laughs> Bizarre. So anyway, that's, that's what the Jaguars did. Player wise, I think it's pretty good, but I, Jaguars, we still got to see on, on how it They could be dark horse, you know, they're a dark horse in the whole division. Yeah. If, if the Carson Wentz thing goes sideways and Titans aren't, don't have a bounce back here, we'll see. Titans, uh, speaking of injury guys, Caleb Farley, second time the Titans have done this. I was blowing people's minds on some group chats because I correctly predicted three consecutive picks in the first round, 22, 23, and 24, starting with Caleb Farley, who I said, because of the Jeffrey Simmons pick a few years ago, I wouldn't be surprised if they took Farley here as an upside play with a bad back, two back, in- two back injuries. I think he tore his ACL in like 2017, mm-hmm. but a top five talent. Wilson, if he, uh, if he is healthy, they also grabbed Elijah Molden, another cornerback in the third round, who, uh, you know, got an A minus from Trapasso, Dylan Radden's Trey Lance's offensive lineman in the second round and some defensive players and wide receiver help later in the draft. What do you think about this draft for the Titans? Liked it. Let me see what I gave him. Uh, I gave him an A. I'm just looking at my, my notes here. Bristol gave him a C plus. Uh, so here's the deal. So Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, a home, home run pick. That, that's, there's no issue there. But then they uh, get ATN. So I was like, okay, I don't love the idea of ATN going there. But then they circle back and get Tyson Campbell at the top of the second round. So you can mix those picks up however you want, and you feel better about ATN going to the top of the second, whatever. But those are the needs they needed to field. So they got those guys, and uh, I was no longer concerned about ATN as a first-round pick. Are you, so, are you talking about the Jaguars still? Oh, did you move on? We have the Titans on the screen. Oh, sorry. I was, I was twisted like six Titans picks and asked you what you thought of the Titans draft. I thought you were on the, that's why, I, that's why I gave oh the Jacks great. Wilson was, just pulled a Brenton on Brenton. No, no, no. I was, I was, well, I was, 
I'll tell you. I actually story. checked out and did. I heard ATN and was like, "Wait, what? What is he saying?" <laughs> Why? Well, the reason I was checked out Brent's style because I have to do these grades of every team grades, and I was sorting through this database. You're grading the grades? No, I have to. I have to rank the the draft by per team. So I was trying to figure out why something wasn't working. I, for I don't think that Pete actually believes this is a C plus. Okay, so the, the, the Titans. The Titans. Pete okay, sorry. Pick, fourth round receiver, Des Fitzpatrick, will be a major steal. Long string receiver will be productive right away. And he said, John Robinson has done a nice job in the draft since taking over. This isn't one I love. He's worried about Farley's health. They, he's like, second round tackle, Dylan Raddins is a good player. Keep an eye on fourth round pass rusher, Rashad Weaver. It seems to me like Pete likes all the picks. He's just worried that Caleb Farley won't be. Well, out. yeah, so B plus for the Titans. I'm on the right track now. Caleb Farley, the interesting word, but we have to figure, see how that works out. And I think, Brinson, you actually made this joke. Rarely does someone say, oh, my bad back got better. You, you know, your knee injury heals or whatever. Uh, Dylan Raddins is played with, um, Trey Lance at, at North Dakota State. He could even play guard if you need him to. Monty Rice, I thought was slightly overdrafted a little bit, but he, he was a really good player at Georgia. Elijah Molden ran a slow 40 time, but he, uh, Levi Owens Enrique told, told us on the Pick Six Pod that he was the smartest player he's ever played with. Mm. Compared him to Honey Badger, in fact. Um, and he played that way. Uh, awesome. Racing McMath is a, uh, special teams maniac. And, uh, Rashad Weaver was the second best pass rusher at Pitt along with Patrick Jones, the second, but Rashad Weaver pulled an Isaiah Wilson and got, uh, arrested the other day after getting drafted. So that's also not great. Not great. By the way, Travasso gave Monty Rice a C plus here. But that reads like an A plus or reads like an A minus draft grade. She's like, QB in the defense who moves well, faster than he's quick, can run on the scene with tight ends, very reliable tackler. I don't know. I like yeah. this draft. If, if Farley hits, it's a good draft. I do think, man, for fantasy football purposes, if you're in dynasty leagues or you know, drafting now for whatever reason or doing best ball, you know, where you draft now and then you just don't change anything at all. I mean, Josh, I mean, AJ Brown might see, oh, I mean, 200 targets. Will no she? Roster. Will she? It's, it's AJ Brown and then Josh Reynolds and then Anthony Ferkser. I think the flip side though of liking this draft is <laughs> there's a chance Caleb Farley doesn't pan out. You're coming off the Isaiah Wilson debacle. Yeah, that was, you know, I mean, but still, you, you, that's still, you took a, you're taking a risk on a player who might not pan out because of his injury. So there's, it's still a risky pick whether you want to, it doesn't have to be a risk for the same reason Isaiah Wilson was a risk, but you know, you keep taking, if you keep taking risky picks and they don't pan out at some point, you know, someone's got to raise their hands in the air and say, all right, what are we doing here? That's Wilson's famous statement. What are we doing here, guys? What are we doing? What are we doing? Jeffrey Simmons tore his ACL in the draft process. They took him in the, early, you know, the first round. It was panned out great. You know, the, some of the first round picks, like you know, Corey Davis, obviously, you know, Isaiah Wilson haven't worked out quite as well. We reached the point of the year where there's a lot, a lot of sports going on at once, which is why we want to tell you about the CBS Sports app. And now it's not just the best scoring app for your phone, but also where you get breaking news alerts, stories by us, even by me sometimes, standing schedules, team pages, and all the sportsy digital stuff you're used to. And, of course, if a game is airing on CBS, that means it's streaming on the CBS Sports app. Easy, right? Yes, it is. Right. Download it, re-download it if it's got that little cloud logo next to it on your phone. And you know we love those five-star ratings, so don't hesitate to drop one for the App. The Kansas City Chiefs had no first round pick because they traded it for Orlando Brown, but I think that has to factor into their draft. Pete Prisco gave them a B for their efforts. The Chiefs started off the draft with the 58th overall pick, taking Nick Bolton, Missouri linebacker, Creed Humphrey. They picked in the second round as well. I believe they had the, so that Bolton pick 
58 overall was the a pick coming back as part of the Orlando Brown trade. So they get that second round pick and Orlando Brown. They pick up Creed Humphrey in the second round. Joshua Kendo, the edge from Florida State in the fourth. They had no third round pick because I think that went to Orlando, to the, to the Ravens. Quite a, a swapping of picks. So they were sort of short here on picks, you know, only two in the top 70, only two in the top 140. Uh, but you know, again, you have to factor in Orlando Brown being a part of the process, right? Wilson? Exactly. I gave a, I gave an A and, uh, Nick Bolton. I love. I had him as a low first rounder, early second rounder, so they got that right. Uh, you mentioned Orlando Brown, and that's sort of the starting point of the conversation because uh, they they picked the tackle position, and it cost them their first round pick. That's part of the tra- the, the draft process. They also got um, Creed Humphrey, who yep. played with uh, Kyler Murray, played and with, uh, Orlando Brown, <laughs> Jalen Hurts. Right. That's right, and played uh, most recently with Spencer Radler, Devon, not Devon, excuse me, um, Cornell Powell. Oh, that's a guy that I, I like a lot. He went. Uh, in round five, played at Clemson last year, one year productivity guy, cause he played behind some really good dudes before that. But he reminds me of sort of what Sammy Watkins they wanted him to be. And he has an opportunity, I think, to go to an offense where he's not going to be asked to do much, but his job, he's not going to have to be the superstar, sort of the same way we talked about, um, Anthony Schwartz in Cleveland. And finally, Trey Smith went in the sixth round. He's a day one, day two talent who had some medical concerns and that's why he fell. But again, uh, offensive line, got a center and a guard. They draft Orlando Brown. They signed a bunch of guys. And, you know, Breach, you were talking about keeping Joe Burrow upright. If Andy Reid keeps Patrick Mahomes upright, that's why they're currently the favorite to win the Super Bowl. Hey, would you rather have Orlando Brown knowing you're going to have to give him a huge contract or Tevin Jenkins? Tevin Jenkins, but, you know, I don't know what their thinking is on the windows and all of this. You can, you know, you've been to the, AFC Championship game three years in a row and the Super Bowl two years in a row. And you only lost the Super Bowl because you couldn't protect Mahomes. So I think, yeah. you, I mean, I, I, I'm just wondering if we think the Chiefs, like, did they think that somebody like a Tevin Jenkins would be, they didn't, they didn't believe any of the top tier offensive linemen would be there for him. No, I mean, Tevin Jenkins was, I think I had him like a early second round guy. So I'm sure teams thought, because, you know, we always, the, and that's the other thing, the media, uh, I'm going through the uh, all 59, 259 picks and the amount of guys that were drafted that media folks didn't even know was on the radar, and my, I include myself, excuse me, just points to the fact that NFL teams and um, the media folks, they don't always share the same information. So I think that Tevin Jenkins, they may have had some inkling that he might be there, but maybe they didn't love him. And they knew what they had in Orlando Brand. And they also knew, by the way, how Orlando Brown was going to play in the NFL because they've seen it, obviously. Sure, for sure. And, they, and, I, and that definitely helps. You, I mean, the, the Chiefs have crushed it this offseason. And if you're literally, say, one player away from getting back to the Super Bowl for the third straight year, and that player is a tackle who is either going to be a rookie or a proven veteran, you go after the proven veteran every time because you feel like that's a lock. Because what if Tevin Jenkins shows up, can't block anyone, uh, and all of a sudden, you know, Patrick Mahomes is getting beat up back there. That's just not a risk. You're not going to let your $500 million quarterback put his hands Put put his fate in a rookie's hands. It doesn't make any sense. So I think they made the right move. By the uh, way, with Breach, the uh, get rid of cue with the music, Brinson. Breach dunking all over himself because Tevin Jenkins is going to play left tackle for the Bears and for Andy Dalton. And if Breach says he can't block anybody, <laughs> Andy Dalton's a walking dead man. And if the Bears had an option between Orlando Brown and Tevin Jenkins, I'm sure they would have taken Orlando Brown also. Uh, unlikely, considering that the Bears are the Bears. Yeah, the Bears. Bears. I don't. Would the Bears have done that? I don't know. I mean. With the contract, I'm not sure the bear. Anyway, we don't, we're not talking about the bears and Andy Dalton. Moving the along. AFC podcast, Brinson. To the 
Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders. America's favorite punching bag. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying, uh, trying, I don't want to, I don't want to beat on the Raiders. Prisco gave him a D though. So this isn't me giving him a D. It's Prisco. Yeah, Prisco. Underwood, 17th overall. Surprised a lot of people. Although Jim Nagy of the Senior Bowl tweeted out on Monday, he said, anybody kill the media killing the Raiders for that pick don't know anything. He was going to go in the 25 range. Maybe so. And then Trayvon Morig, the safety out of TCU. They traded up to get him. A uh, Many people thought he would be a first-round pick. Malcolm Kuntz, edge rusher from Buffalo in the third round. Divine Diablo, another safety in the uh, – so they took two safeties in the top 80 picks. That's a Divine might end up moving to linebacker. He's like a, he's a big guy. Okay. Okay. Um, so he's a hybrid guy. All right. Yep. A well-liked prospect, just worth noting. And then they came over with Tyree Gillespie, Nate Hobbs, and Jimmy Morrissey to close things out. Wilson, what'd you think about this draft? You know, I gave him a C in the moment, uh, when we talked about an HQ and I always prepped by saying this, look, this isn't Alex Leatherwood's fault, but he is a second round, second round talent. Uh, and some teams, obviously, as Jim Nagy noted, consider him a first round pick because one took him in the first round. But I remember talking to Scott about this last year, asking about Leatherwood and, um, Jedrick Wells. And the response I got was they're not even close and he wasn't being a jerk. He was just being, that's the reality of it. So, right. I, Leatherwood's good, but I think he's just done the disservice of being drafted by the Raiders who took Cleveland Farrell too high, who took David Arnett last, last year and he didn't, hasn't worked out yet. Maybe those guys do, but it, look again, I just said this with the, the Jaguars pick when I was speaking out of turn, but if you like Merrick as a first round pick, just swap Leatherwood and Merrick and then you feel better. That, yeah, that's, that's fair. Same thing. Diablo, you mentioned he, he's really good. It, it's just a matter of finding him a position. He, he played a hybrid role, but he ran like in a four fours. This pro day, Nate Hobbs played at Illinois, but he was. Awesome. Like, you just don't talk about Illinois, uh, players. That's why, uh, no one really knew about him. Uh, but he went in round five. So I think on paper, it feels like they did a lot of good things. I wouldn't have taken Malcolm Coons that high. Um, I'm not sure what Trapazzo's grade was, but I know he likes Buffalo guys. Um, he watches those guys pretty closely because he's from the area. So I don't have any issue with the draft, especially if you're willing to swap Merrick and Leatherwood, if that makes you feel better. And, and that's what, well, that's what it comes down to. Like, if you ask a Raiders fan, if you came out the first, if, if your team comes out the first two rounds with Merrick and Leatherwood, are you happy? Yes. And they're going to say, yeah, of course we are. And then if you tell them that it was in the opposite order they thought, they're going to be like, uh, but then not care and be like, well, we still got the two guys we wanted. So it doesn't matter. So I, I do think because Merrick fell on their lap that it, it doesn't, it, it kind of softens the blow of the fact that took Leatherwood 17th overall. I'd also point out too that with the Leatherwood thing, so there's probably a pretty good chance they're taking Elijah Vera Tucker if Joe Douglas doesn't give up two third round picks to move into the spot. Who knows with the Raiders? That's the only thing. Sure. This is what the Raiders do is they take Clemson and Alabama guys early and they over. What if if Matt Jones is still there at 17? I mean, they're probably thinking about taking a quarterback, right? Yeah, maybe. Also with this pick at 17 was it. We didn't see any, the only trades we saw in the back half of the second. It's pretty crazy. So after 14, when the Jets and the, and the Vikings traded, there were no trades at all in draft trades until the end of the first round. Because the, you know, the Giants had traded down from, you know, they, they did that trade earlier in in the top 10. The Vikings obviously traded with the Jets. The Jaguars traded with the Rams before the draft, and so did the the Ravens with the Chiefs. Teams didn't want to move up because there was no real – there's a huge talent drop-off. So it's very likely that the Raiders could have tried to trade down and nobody was interested in moving up. All the quarterbacks were gone, 
and everybody just sat in their spot and took their players. So what I, I guess my point is that it's, it's entirely possible the Raiders were set on Elijah Vera Tucker if he came to him. They got sniped by Joe Douglas. They needed to take an offensive lineman. Imagine getting next- sniped by Joe Douglas. <laughs> What's that? I said, imagine getting sniped by Joe, Joe Douglas. Douglas. Good. But do you understand what I'm saying? It seems like they were stuck at 17 because nobody was moving. And they just took the player who was highest on their board. And there's nothing wrong with that. Maybe Leatherwood works out. It sort of reminds me of the maybe the Cowboys taking Travis Frederick or even Zach Barton, who I don't think people killed as much. But people were mad about the Travis Frederick thing, and it worked out fine. Mm-hmm. So let's, I mean, we, we can not like the Leatherwood pick. It's, an, it's easy to pick on the Raiders, but let's hold off on full judgment. The Los Angeles Chargers. Ooh. I love the Chargers draft. Am I the only one? I mean, Rashawn Slater at 13. Didn't I gave him A minus. I was shocked that Prisco did not give them any sort of A. I would have given them an A also. I think we all loved it. Prisco gave him a B plus. He likes Darisol better than Rashawn Slater. That's probably why he did that. Yep, maybe. Yeah. Asante Samuel in the second round at 47 overall is an absolute steal. He's a ball hawk. I don't care. He's small. He's a, he's a hawk, man. Why, why are people letting him fall that far? It reminds me of Antoine Winfield Jr. Falling to the Buccaneers in the second round last year. Former pro player son has, you know, crazy chops at the, at a high, at the power five college level. Antoine Winfield's issue was injuries, but also size and size of Samuel's issue too. That's what I'm saying. But you, you watch these guys play. Who cares if they're 5'10? Right. You know, these guys just play. They're players. Go get guys who play. And that's what Asante Samuel does. So I love that. And you see that their traps loves Josh Palmer out of Tennessee. At in the third round, certainly they they have plenty of skill position guys with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and some deeper threats, but they they needed some more depth there uh, if if injuries popped up, and then some some nice picks. Anybody you like on the back end there for the Chargers, Wilson's on day three or or later in day two? Uh, let me see real quick here. Uh, Los Angeles, so Larry Roundtree's interesting. The the big running back out of Missouri, uh, he, he's a guy that can contribute to the run game, of course. And Chris Rump, I'll mention. Out of Duke. He's an edge rusher, but he weighs 234. Um, mm. his dad is a, I think he's a defensive backs coach in the NFL. He's on the defensive side, but Chris Ruff has some of the best hands in, in uh, college football in terms of being a pass rusher. But now you just have to find where to, where to find, where, where to play him because he can't rush the, the, the passer 234. So does he add 15 pounds and what does he look like if he does that? Do you sort of move him around and make him off ball linebacker? But I think he's an interesting guy, uh, in a defense that has a bunch of interesting guys like, you know, Derwin James will be back. He'll be healthy. And Josh Palmer is a guy that I can never sort of figure out the wide receiver that went in the third round because he played in a pretty bad offense. And I, I just, I think, let's see, I had him as a fifth round pick. He went in the third round. Pete liked him a lot and he talked to folks that like him. So, you know, playing with Justin Herbert will probably make you better. So those are a couple of names that I like. Okay. Chargers, man, Chargers have a chance to be really good. They seem stacked. Like the Chargers seem absolutely stacked. They finally got rid of their coach who can't hold a close lead. So they're in every single game they play if they can just hold on to a lead. And now you're talking about the offensive line just got better with Rashawn Slater, even adding a tight end. I felt like that was one thing they absolutely had to do because Hunter Henry left. They signed Jared Cook in the offseason. And then now you have Trey McKitty in there who doesn't have to go in and be the starter. Uh The Chargers seem like they're loaded. I would also point out really quickly on the Chargers before we wrap it up with the Broncos that with Los Angeles and Tom Telesco, the last two years he has made it very obvious what he's doing in the first round, right? He has broadcast last, last year, all they had was Tyrod Taylor. 
and Easton Stick at, at quarterback. It was like, well, maybe it's a smoke screen. They're trying to fake us out. No, no, he just needed a quarterback. He's going to draft one. And then this year, all they had was Trey Pipkins at left tackle protecting Justin Herbert. It was very clear they were going to take one of four offensive linemen at 13 unless they decided to move up or, uh, or, or trade up. And they, they didn't. They just sat there and they took Rashawn Slater. And it is hard. It's really hard for me not to like this Chargers team a lot if they can stay healthy. They have players all across. I think I was on the bandwagon the earliest this year. I, but can you rectify the fact that they no longer wanted Phillip Rivers, Brinson? Are you over that yet? That's a bad breakup for you. It does, I'm not I, over it. That's what I told Chris, our buddy Chris, who works for the Chargers on this podcast, that I, I, it's, it's tough for me. Right. Like your ex-wife is, you're, you're back with her. Well, I guess I did. No, know. no, no, no. She's remarried and happy, and you're like, okay. No, she she just got remarried to Jeff Bezos. And you're not. But, gonna, you're but, like, but now she still wants to be friends with you. She upgraded, but now wants to be friends with you again. Okay, I can be friends with her. Yeah. Okay. Broncos get an A from Pete Briscoe for their draft. Patrick Sertain the second. They take ninth overall. Shout out to your boy who said they would take a cornerback in, in his mock draft. I hadn't taken Horn. I flipped Horn and Sertain. Otherwise, I would have had a crazy good score. They trade up to get Javante Williams. And it's interesting, those first two moves, I mean, they passed on Justin Fields in the first one and Mac Jones. Those first two moves feel like a team that does believe it has a chance to trade for Aaron Rodgers. And by the way, if they, if the Broncos trade for Aaron Rodgers, the Raiders are in deep do. The Raiders? I mean, the Chiefs and the Chargers might have some things to worry about. But I'm saying, like, those Aaron Rodgers on this Broncos team, that Chargers roster, and then that Chiefs team, that is a loaded division. Well, it's oh, funny because it, it does right. feel like the Broncos are probably the worst team in division by, but not by a, it's close, close with the Raiders. Really better than the Raiders. But if you put Aaron Rodgers on, so they're either third or fourth. You could debate that. But Aaron you put Aaron Rodgers on the team, they automatically become one A, like a, a smidge under the Chiefs. One Aaron Rodgers is, do you guys disagree with this? Aaron Rodgers is better in Denver than Peyton when he arrived. Yes. Uh, yeah, he would come in as a, and Peyton threw 50 touchdowns, I think his first or second year in Denver. Too, second before, year. Peyton, before, before his arm fell off. If you traded for Rodgers, you would feel way more comfortable about him playing well in his first year. By Peyton, the way, there's an example of a guy whose back injury slash neck injury went away. So take solace, Caleb Farley fans. They were, wor- they were worried about Peyton. Uh, but he only lasted four years, Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the average age of a, I think a it, average it, career. It yeah. So do you like their draft on, on balance, though, Wilson? A plus. In fact, it might be my favorite draft. I'm going through, I'm trying to create this scoring system. I'm wasting way too much time on this. That's what I was distracted with earlier, trying to weight all these. Is it the wins picks. over Wilson draft scoring system? Ah, that's, I didn't do wins over Wilson. That's the problem. But a, as I look at the draft, I mean, Sertan, slam dunk. Javante Williams, slam dunk. Quinn Miners has a chance to be a slam dunk, the center out of Wisconsin Whitewater, who didn't play last year, but went to the, the senior bowl and had a great run there. Baron Browning went in the third round. I liked him at, earlier than that. Uh, as the linebacker there, uh, Jamar Johnson was one of my favorite safeties in this class. I think I had him as my third or fourth safety going in the third round. He ended up going in round five. Uh, Kerry Vincent uh, offers some um, special teams help. And then Seth Williams, their last pick. We talked about Anthony Schwartz playing in, in a not great offense in Auburn. Seth Williams is a big receiver who could be like a third round guy, but um, lasted to the sixth because uh, the consistency wasn't there at Auburn. So yeah, this is on paper, you know, a home run. Can't disagree. Javante, do you think Javante Williams, how they got rid of Philip Lindsay, but they still have Melvin Gordon. How do you feel if you're Melvin Gordon? Literally, 
He only has one year left though, right? But they get rid of Philip Lindsay. He thought he was going to be a workhorse. He's thinking, I'm going to get all of these snaps. This is finally my time to shine. I don't have to share the backfield with anyone. And then what happens? Uh, boom, they bring in a running back with a second round pick. So would you rather have Devontae Williams or Michael Carter in, in Dynasty? I was asked that question by somebody. Michael Carter went to the Jets. I think Javante Williams. Javante Williams is a better player. Michael Carter, better situation. Is Michael Carter in a better situation? Good, good offensive line. He's the main guy there. We don't know if that's a good offensive line. I, I, I feel comfortable with it. Okay. Makai Becton, Elijah Vera Tucker, and some, some veterans who've been there for a while. Who are they? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, like four guys named McDougal. Connor McGovern, because he's the guy that McGovern, also plays. Yeah, there's like he, two he, Connor McGoverns. He plays McDougal, for McDougal. Yeah. yeah. They have, oh, they got Van Roten and George Fant, Connor McGovern. It's all right. It's not terrible. Yeah. I, my thing is Javante Williams, I think. Might I be mean, situation. okay. All right, so Javante Williams would be the answer. He's look, they traded up for him in the second round. They're going to use him as probably a feature back for the next four years. And uh Presco only handed out three A's, and one of them went to the Broncos. All right, I, maybe or the other two on the NFC side of things. Breach. Uh, the Dolphins what? were the other one. The Dolphins were the other one. The third one was on the NFC side of things. Well, you'll have to listen to tomorrow's podcast to find out what that is as we rip through NFC grades coming up tomorrow. Wilson, Breach, great stuff as always.